Thanks for tuning into Reach Radio, a podcast for public health professionals looking to expand their network, be inspired, and discover resources and tools that help improve the experience of public health professionals and patients in their communities. I'm your host, Fran. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Reach Radio. I'm honored that today's guest is Annette Yanetu. Annette is the CEO and founder of Care Epilepsy, an organization that is designed to raise awareness of epilepsy with a goal of eradicating the stigma associated with it. Her organization is busy involving governments as well as communities and creating advocacy for the needs and services of the epilepsy community. Annette, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're excited to have you here with us today. Tell us a little bit about the work that your organization is doing. Okay, Uh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity as well to share the wonderful work that we do. So uh, my organization is called Care Epilepsy. So as the word indicative of the work we do is on epilepsy. So basically Care Epilepsy Ethiopia is the first non-governmental, non-religious charity organization serving the community of people with epilepsy. So in a nutshell, that's what we do. That's fantastic. And talk to us a little bit about the challenges of the epilepsy community. Okay, so basically what the greatest challenge that we face is wherever you go in the world, epilepsy carries stigma. Even in the first world countries, be it America, Europe, um, there is some kind of stigma associated with epilepsy and just like other mental illnesses or mental health issues. And this is even more exaggerated and, and it's a huge impact in the third world countries, especially in, you know, Ethiopia, where I come, I originally come from. So Epilepsy is not seen as a medical condition. It's more associated with the belief that it's something to do with evil spirit, you know, witchcraft, that kind of path of thinking. So it's twofold, the challenges. One, the government hasn't given it enough focus on epilepsy because mostly its infectious diseases take priority than chronic diseases. So that focus hasn't been given from the government, which means there hasn't been adequate care and service provided for patients for patients with epilepsy. Secondly, the stigma associated with epilepsy means people with epilepsy or children are excluded from education, excluded from employment, excluded from community, um, community social interaction. So it is not just a medical condition. When you look at it there, it's also a psychosocial implication. That's what it holds. So that is the the greatest challenge that we face there. Wow, those are some significant challenges. How do you go about the process of overcoming those? So this this charity started from, you know, I'm the founder of the charity and I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was 17 years old. And luckily, I came to the United Kingdom soon after my first diagnosis. And I lived in the UK for about 25 years. And luckily, you know, I received good medication, good treatment, and I've been able to succeed in life and do what I wanted to do in life. Pretty much, I've done my first degree in business management and my master's in public health. And I've worked for within the health system of the United Kingdom. So I know the challenges of what it means to live with epilepsy, but also I've experienced the success of living with epilepsy as well. 
so long as you have good medication and good treatment and equity of care and practice. So what I always wanted was to go back to my uh, my home country and create this opportunity for them. Of course, you know, Ethiopia is the estimated people with epilepsy is about 5.6 million. And, you know, that affects over 20 million families. So it's not what one NGO can do. It's if there's 100 NGOs, that won't be enough. It's basically as a public health issue to, to manage to get intervention from the top, from the government level. So what has worked for us so far or what we're trying to achieve is actually work in partnership with the government. So they give focus to epilepsy and that it is a public health issue when you have so many people that are not served, that have not received medical care. Out of those million, 5.6 million people, 95% don't receive medical treatment. So by working in partnership with the Ministry of Health there and regional health bureaus, we try to educate the clinical service providers and give clinical training, but also do awareness raising programs within the community and raising, you know, making them understand this is just a neurological condition, nothing to do with, you know, superstitious kind of, you know, that, that, that kind, nothing to do with the spirits. It is a condition that has medication and treatment for it. So it's engaging the government, engaging the community leaders and the whole, the society in general. And that's been, yeah, our form of success so far. So do many of your programs engage children at all? Uh, awareness, maybe uh, campaigns that are targeted towards educating the youth? Uh, yes. One thing we believe in is always the future is the children, the youth. So it is very difficult to change the uh, attitude or perceptions of an adult, but you can easily teach the youngsters and they're more accepting of new information and new facts. So we do a lot of teaching within, uh, within the local schools. So we go from one school to another and teach them about epilepsy and first aid. And if they have pupils that study with them, their friends, you know, if they have seizures, what do they need to do? How do they support them emotionally? And and the first aid, we teach them that, we train them. And we do a lot of music, like with epilepsy education message into it, you know, putting the message into the music and, you know, they'll dance to the music and they'll do dramas. And so we engage the youth a lot to change, to bring positive perception towards epilepsy. We also use the youth to volunteer after giving them training to go out within the community and do work because they have more energy, they have more engagement within their friends. And we present it as a, you know, kind of a fun way of um, reaching out and doing something for the community. Um, so we work, we work for the youth, for the children, but we also work with the youth and with the children. I love that. That's so wonderful. And how is social media uh, leveraged at all in the work that your team is doing? Social media is really the platform nowadays, and we do use that. We have, you know, all the social media platforms we use. We pass messages out there, educating people. Of course, Ethiopia has, there are a lot of people that speak, 
you know, various languages. So we normally, all our teaching training manuals or information leaflets, we try to translate it in, in the local language so they can understand what we're talking about. So we put on, we use our social media platform, we use English, but we use the local language as well for people to be able to read. So social media is a big thing, especially with the youngsters, even in Ethiopia, you know, using WhatsApp and Telegram and stuff like that is is a big thing for them. So we send out messages like that and we ask them, you know, to pass on the message to your friends. And that is one way of passing on the message and education, uh, educating the younger community. That's wonderful. I love the way that you're incorporating technology and uh, more contemporary ways of approaching these challenges. And not you mentioned earlier uh, that you yourself had struggled with epilepsy as early as the age of seventeen. Would you mind sharing with us your personal journey? Uh, no, it will be my pleasure. You know, I always say I don't believe that one condition or health condition is more uh, than the other. You know, like e- epilepsy is more serious than cancer or blood pressure or this because at the end of the day it affects an individual so whether it's a headache or heartache or whatever it is the impact is the same so for me living with epilepsy it is a very rough road and I think what makes it different than other conditions or yeah other health conditions is the fact that you just don't know really I could be talking to you and have a seizure I don't know I could be walking and crossing the road and I could have seizure. I don't know. So as a person, to be positive about this unknown condition, and especially even within um, the international community, um, there are still a lot of research that needs to be done with epilepsy. Like about 50% of seizures are not known. Like, you know, the, the risk factors are not known. So there's a lot for people to study. You know, it's it's just not a known condition. And what that means, and when I bring that down to my individual life, when I started my having my seizure first at the age of 17, it was fear. It was real fear because, you know, the first thing, what have I done? You know, I grew up in that culture. So I just thought oh, I must have done something bad that God is, you know, punishing me for something that I've done wrong. And then uh, you go through the phase of why me? And then you go through the phase of I can't leave the house because what if I have a seizure? What if I walk uh, down the road? And as I said, you know, cross the road and have seizure. And, you know, I've gone through, especially the first five years after I was diagnosed with epilepsy was a very difficult journey. It was, it took for a long time for my seizures to be controlled. I tried so many different uh, varieties of epilepsy medications. And this is one of the challenges for epilepsy. There isn't like one medication that fits all or or the dosage of the medication. It's not, you know, it, it's a trial and error, basically. So until you get to that point where you're taking the right medication and the right level of the right medication, it takes time. It's a journey. So I really suffered physically and I suffered emotionally and mentally as well. But then at one point, it was about deciding whether... I'm going to live with epilepsy or I'm going to die because of epilepsy. And I said, no, 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 I'm not going to die. I have to find a way of living my life with epilepsy. And thank God for that. I personally have come to terms with 
living with epilepsy. I, you know, probably will have epilepsy for the rest of my life. I take medication morning and evening. But as I said, you know, it is a challenge. You get tired when you have seizures, you're kind of knocked out for a week. And then as a woman, as a woman, especially, you know, I, I kind of worry what if most of the time I wear trousers, not skirts or, or dresses, because if I have a seizure, then, you know, I don't want people to see, you know, part of my body that I don't want them to see. So, you know, all these things just, you know, emotionally, it kind of takes that womanhood from you somehow. And and then I am blessed with one child. And uh, when I was pregnant, I was like, oh, my word, you know, you know, would he be a deformed child because of the medication I take? Uh, would he develop seizures? What is, so many things goes around your head. And, you know, and it is a challenge. Uh, I remember when I was pregnant, I think I was eight and a half months pregnant. I had a seizure and I started, you know, bleeding. And I thought my, you know, I lost my baby. So there are so many journeys that I've gone through living with epilepsy. But at the end, you know, one thing I can say is, yes, you can. You can live with epilepsy. You can be successful with epilepsy. You can achieve anything you want to achieve with epilepsy. And that is the message that I want to share with others and to encourage them and, and just inspire them. And inspire, indeed, you do. This, it's amazing, your journey and your perspective. Is it just been you or has there, was there a support group along the way? And how is your organization today creating that sort of support group and network for others who are, who are now going through similar kinds of challenges? So if, uh, if I can talk about the organization, so what we've done in Ethiopia is we've started a peer support group meeting. Um, they meet monthly. And so basically it's, you know, people talking to each other, sharing their experiences and being supportive of each other because, you know, the same fear and the same challenges that one faces, the other does too. So when they share that, it's like, wow, you know, it's not only me, there's another person, you know, going through the same experience. And we've seen that that has empowered them to make friends. As I said earlier, the social exclusion of people with epilepsy uh, within that community, it's crazy. It's you just, you know, it is almost unreal. So uh, it's very difficult for them to find friends, to find relationships, people that can accept them with their seizures, with their epilepsy. So by providing that platform, by supporting, you know, establishing that peer support group, uh, we've enabled them to, to open up and be strengthened by each other's experience. We also have a coffee morning chat programs every Wednesday. So, you know, people come to our center and, you know, have coffee and just have a chat and develop friendship. Sometimes that's what you need, you know, for someone to be with you and say, it's okay, you know, just to hear that voice. Um, and so we give that platform for them as well to support each other. That is beautiful. I, I absolutely love it. And in terms of some of the, perhaps some of the special needs, for example, you mentioned epilepsy and pregnancy. Is there additional um, materials or resources that are provided there? And and what kind of, of uh Education is not only given to individuals, but given to clinicians around supporting these special needs. Yes. You know, whether it, it is interesting to, if I tell you, it may be kind of difficult to believe, but there isn't one neurologist that has specialized in epilepsy in Ethiopia. 
We have, I think, about 13 neurologists now, and that has been in the recent years, but none of them have specialized in epilepsy. So the idea or the luxury of people with epilepsy to be seen by a doctor is unreal. Out of the 30 neurologists, 28 of them live in Addis Ababa. That's the capital city. And 80% of the 5.6 million live outside Addis Ababa. So basically, 80% don't have access to doctors. So even those in Addis, the luxury is not there. So basically, if they go to clinic or to hospitals, the likelihood is it would be the nurses or health officers that will see the patient. So our education is targeted towards nurses and health officers within the grassroots level primary care health providers. So basically what we do, we've we've set up a, a manual, a training manual with the support of neurologists and just to help them to identify and diagnose and find a care pathway and treatment for a person with epilepsy. So in a nutshell, what that means is when a person comes to the clinic and if they say, you know, they have seizures, it's just to be able to follow a guideline to identify, okay, this could be seizures. This could be epilepsy. This could be, well, this is not, you know, distinguish. And to be able to pass them on to the right line of treatment. So that is where our training is targeted towards. But when we come to schools, we give training to teachers as well. So for school nurses and teachers and how they can deal with children with epilepsy, their emotional need, their physical need, you know, the importance of them taking their medication and the extra support that they need, basically, that they can give, the teachers can give. So we give them training how to to spot seizures, especially in children. When we look at absent seizure, you know, they, they just stare, they gaze at something. And it's very easy to think, oh, you know, this child is just being disruptive. It's not he's not or she's not concentrating on the lecture. It's easy to do that. But we teach them um, the skills of identifying or at least, you know, bringing a warning sign. OK, we're seeing this several times. What is the problem here? So they can basically pick out what could potentially be a seizure. So that is the training that we give, both in a clinical setting and in the school setting. And then, of course, for the community, we do a lot of awareness raising epilepsy education leaflets. So we have specially targeted for children. We have specially targeted for women for youngsters, for men, for adults in general, because it affects in different ways, different individuals or age groups. That's our strategy of doing our public health education there. That's amazing. And so many programs that you're offering. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to? Um, well, I guess when when I think about what opportunity we have is Patients are starting to take ownership of the program, and we're so excited about that. And coming out and making statements that they have epilepsy, because this is a big deal there. And so that is something, an opportunity for us that we should empower them more. We should support them more to be a voice for epilepsy in their own right, because every human being has a right to health care 
And that is our motto. Basically, that's where our service starts from. As people with epilepsy, they have equal right of getting equity and quality service within the country. So using them is a huge opportunity. And also we're excited because we use volunteers from all walks of life, um, not just clinicians, but you know, you can be an artist, you can be a musician, you can be a craft trainer. We need everyone and there is a platform for everyone to get involved and you know, just come and make a difference and train others, share your experiences. You know, I always say to myself, I believe in it's it's good to get education, it's good to earn money and you know, be wealthy if that is if that's your um, aim. But a life that's not lived for others is really not a life worth lived on for me, for me individually. So it doesn't matter how much you have, but we just have to take time from our life to think of, you know, to share that with others. And that's not just money, but sharing your experience, your talent, your expertise. So, you know, for us to give that opportunity to the world, to invite people to come and make a difference there with us, that is a big opportunity that we have. And, you know, I want to take this also, this platform to invite people who are interested in supporting our work, you know, to contact us. And basically, yeah, and that is the opportunity that is for us and for everyone. You know, yeah. you were talking about the shortage of specialists. Yes. And I'm curious to know, you know, a lot of places now they're leveraging telehealth technology, right? You're utilizing yeah. telemedicine and that's yeah. been a way to bring in specialists. So in the case okay. of neurologists who specialize in the area of epilepsy, has yeah. that been an option or something that your team may want to consider? I would love, I would love to consider, except I have not got the connection like a neurologist outside who's willing to do this for us. Because as I say to you, you know, that what, what breaks my heart is the, it's outside Addis Ababa, the uh, medical access is 0.3%. And it's 0.3% of 5.4 million people. Can That's you imagine crazy. that? No, I can't. That's we have crazy. so many women being raped. We have so many women had no clue who they got pregnant, you know, by. Um, it's just, it's crazy. Burn cases, I, I can't tell you. Because in the countryside, there are a lot of women that cook with open fire. And they have seizures and then, you know, you have a seizure, it, it takes, it depends what kind of seizures you have. But normally it takes about like five minutes to four to five minutes to wake up. And if you imagine fall into an open fire and you're in there for that length of time, if no one is around, when you wake up, the burn injury that you sustain, it's either it kills you or it, you're disfigured for life. So it is like double punishment. That's how, how they view it. So I would love to have an, an opportunity where I can link, actually not in Addis, but in the rural community outside Addis to connect with the GPs, you know, with neurologists and to use a telemedicine service. I would love that, but I have no idea how to go about that. Well, that's what Reach Radio is all about, right? We're yeah. here to create those connections. That's essentially yeah. why we created this program was so that you yeah. could tell your story and your story could be heard around the world and mm -hmm. someone could assist you in making that connection. 
And if people wanted to reach out and get more information and learn about the work that you're doing, what would be the best way for them to contact you? They can look at our website, which is careepilepsyethiopia.org. Okay, so it's careepilepsyethiopia as one word, and it's double E. So careepilepsyethiopia.org. So careepilepsy at gmail.com. Or they can email me as anatyonatu at gmail.com. Wonderful. Anat, this has been a fabulous conversation. I just really applaud you for all of the work that you're doing in the community. It's disappointing sometimes, but I guess no surprise that when individuals don't have an answer, don't understand, and something is you know unfamiliar and different, that they have a tendency to ostracize and to alienate individuals. And for you to be able to go in and break down those borders the way that you have done is just amazing. And would love to continue to follow the great work that you're doing. Thank you so much for joining the show. And thank you to our listeners. Thank you so much. I would like to take this opportunity as well to thank you for the wonderful work that you do. And I really am so grateful for giving me the opportunity to share our work Thanks for tuning into Reach Radio. This program is made possible by listeners like you. To learn more about Reach and to support this program, visit www.reachtl.org.